0: Hello, this is Jerry Hendricks
1: and Adrian Hendricks of Save One More Now, Incorporated, where our focus is to lovingly confront all activities dishonoring human life created in the very image of God. There is no greater dishonor to human life and to God than to bypass, by ignorance or rejection, His salvation that is only available through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us. Some who listen to this message today may become disturbed or even angry. The reasons for such a response vary, from having an issue uncovered with which they are dealing and are either unable or unwilling to face, to having family members or loved ones they want to support who have made lifestyle choices but don't want to hear that the choices will turn out badly for them, and everything in between. But we should not be surprised. Paul talks about such an attitude at 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves, teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Because they are so strongly against what they hear, they might even go so far to condemn what they hear as hate speech. According to Wikipedia, hate speech is speech that attacks a person or group on the basis of attributes such as gender, ethnic origin, religion, race, disability, or sexual orientation. Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines the word hate as great dislike or aversion, hatred, to dislike greatly, to have a great aversion to. It expresses less than abhorrence, detestation, and abomination unless pronounced with a peculiar emphasis. In Scripture, it can signify to love less. There is one sense, though, in which they would be right. What they are listening to is God's hate speech. These are things that God has spoken about that He hates. And His hatred is so directed because things contrary to His word keep Him away from the object of His intense love, the people He created. We all know about John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 that say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But verses 18 through 21 that follow are rarely considered or remembered. They say, he that believes on him is not condemned, but he that does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light is come into the world, and men love darkness more than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that does truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God.
0: What God hates usually has to do with things that deceive or unjust actions of people mistreating other people. Proverbs 6 verses 16 through 19 give a summary of things God hates. There are six things God hates, and seven things are abominations of his soul. Halty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a devising heart, plans of deception, feet that hurry to run to evil, a false witness who breathes lies and sends out discord between brothers. Zechariah 8 verse 17 is another example. And let none of you imagine evil in your hearts against his neighbor and love no false oath, for all these are things that I hate, saith the Lord. He hates hypocrisy and when those who represent him attempt to turn his unchanging righteousness into unrighteousness. We can see two examples from Isaiah 1, 14 and from Isaiah 61, verse 8. He also hates when people turn other people against him in a way that makes it difficult for them to get to him such as leading others in idolatrous worship by their participation. An example is found at Jeremiah 44, verses 4 and 5. And I sent to you all my servants, the prophets, sending over and over again, saying, Please, you must not do this detestable thing that I hate. But they did not listen, and they did not incline their ears to turn back from their wickedness. We see more examples at Amos 5 verse 21 and Amos 6 verse 8. Malachi 2 verses 14 through 16 Speak to the men who abandoned their wives and left them destitute. The Lord was witness to the covenant made at your marriage between you and the wife of your youth against whom you have dealt treacherously and to whom you were faithless. Yet she is your companion and the wife of your covenant made by your marriage vows. And did not God make you and your wife one flesh? Did not one make you and preserve your spirit alive? And why did God make you two one? Because he sought a godly offspring from your union. Therefore take heed to yourselves and let no one deal treacherously and be faithless to the wife of his youth. For the Lord, the God of Israel, says, I hate divorce, or the putting away and marital separation in him who covers his garment, that is, his wife, with violence. Therefore keep a watch upon your spirit, that it may be controlled by my spirit, that you deal not treacherously and faithlessly with your marriage mate.
1: The risen Jesus sends the
0: same message
1: to the angels of the church at Ephesus and the angels of the church at Pergamum about his hatred for the deeds and the doctrine of a group of people in Revelation chapter 2 verses 6 and 15. But you have this, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So you also have those who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Note that in each instance, God does not talk about hating people, but rather hating their deeds. It is the acts, the deeds of people that he hates, not the people themselves. He loves people, all of them. It is his greatest desire to be with those he created just for himself. But the Word of God does tell us that it is our actions, our deeds, that will determine our eternal destinies at Romans chapter 2 verses 2 through 7. But know that the judgment of God is according to truth on those who practice such things. And, O oh man, the one judging those who do such things and practice them, do you think this, that you shall escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of His kindness and the forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But according to your hardness and your impenitent heart, do you treasure up wrath for yourself in a day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each according to his works, indeed to those who with patience and good work are seeking for glory and honor and incorruptibility everlasting life.
0: But conversely, the scriptures are full of declarations about the hatred wicked people have against people and principles that represent stand with or love God. Psalm 68, one and 2 Chronicles 19.2 are examples along with Micah 3, verses 1 and 2. And I said, Please hear, O heads of Jacob and magistrates of the house of Israel. Is it not for you to know justice, you who hate the good and love the evil, who pull their skin off them and their flesh from their bones? And at Luke 6.22 Blessed are you when men shall hate you, and when they shall cut you off, and when they shall reproach you, and shall cast out your name as evil, for the sake of the Son of Man. From Proverbs 26, verse 28, we have, A lion tongue hates those afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Proverbs 24:29 says, He who shares with a thief hates his own soul. He hears an oath and does not tell. Now Jesus has some strong things to say about the hate of righteousness. At John 3 verse 20 he states, For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. At John 7, 7, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify of it, that its works are evil. Again at John 15, verses 19 and 23, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. He who hates me hates my Father also.
1: And the Apostle John provided clear discernment for believers to identify those pretending to be brothers, living and following God's commands, but really did not belong to God. We are told at 1 John 2, verses 9 and 11, He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going, because darkness has blinded his eyes. And at 1 John chapter 3 verse 15, everyone hating his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has everlasting life abiding in him. Then at 1 John chapter 4 verse 20, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For if he does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? There are far too many other passages to read today, but let us encourage you to go through your Bible and look up scriptures associated with the word hate and its variations. You will see how much the source of unrighteousness and the forces of evil hate God who created them.
0: Behaviors which God hates are described in the Bible so that people will know how not to offend Him and know how to prepare to spend eternity with Him. Exodus 20 verses 4 through 6 record one instruction to the people of Israel not to make idols and what they can expect if they ignore him. You shall not make to yourselves any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heavens above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow yourself down to them nor serve them, For I, Jehovah your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the sons to the third and fourth generation of those that hate me, and showing mercy to thousands of those that love me and keep my commandments.
1: God tells the people how to behave themselves when they think about how the nations that were destroyed before them served their idols in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 29 through 31. When Jehovah your God shall cut off the nations before you where you go to possess them, and you take their place and dwell in their land, Take heed to yourself that you do not become snared by following them, after they are destroyed from before you, and that you do not ask about their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods, that I too may do likewise? You shall not do so to Jehovah your God. For every abomination to Jehovah which he hates, they have done to their gods, even their sons and daughters, they have burned in the fire to their gods. To kill one's own children is particularly disgusting and hateful to the Creator God. The idolatry that caused the Israelites to do this repeatedly had to do with their worship of idols. And just as God hated that then, He hates abortion now, as the idol that is worshipped is the will of man. God warns the Israelites and us against idolatry. God also declares this about those who demonstrate their hate for Him by doing what He has said not to do at Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. Therefore, know that Jehovah your God, He is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy with them that love Him and keep His commandments to a thousand generations, and He repays those who hate Him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slow to repay him who hates Him. He will repay him to His
0: face. But in chapter 26 of Leviticus, speaking through Moses, God makes this promise which is the key to his eternal motive for humanity even today. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, I will have respect to you and make you fruitful and multiply you and establish my covenant with you. And I will set my tabernacle among you and my soul shall not abhor you and I will walk among you and will be your God, and you shall be my people. The law of Moses is held in high esteem in Jewish traditions as the ultimate standard for conducting one's life in a way to please God. But the book of Hebrews records that Moses made a choice about the attraction of sin even before the law was given at chapter 11, verses 24 through 25, which says, By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. In spite of his intense hatred for
1: idolatry, rebellion, iniquity, and transgression of his commands, Isaiah 59 verse 21, Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 33 and 34, Hebrews chapter 8 verses 10 through 12, and chapter 10 verses 16 and 17 indicate that God's intention was to one day place his laws in the mouths, minds, and hearts of his people. And this would not only be for the Jews who love Him, it would also be for the non-Jews, or us Gentiles, who love Him as well. Then, no one would need to tell them to know the Lord because they would already know and love Him, and He would forgive their sins. In fact, their knowledge of Him would remove the desire and inclination to sin. What would be demonstrated then is what Romans chapter 2 verses 13 through 16 describe. As we see at James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, the desire for and practice of sinful things is an issue of what is in our hearts. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. It is like finding a large deep hole in the sidewalk with caution signs and barriers all around it to keep people from falling in. To some people, falling in this hole could be considered an adventure or harmless diversion because they think they are able to climb down and get back out with no serious consequences. The immediate outcome appears to be pleasurable, but what they don't know is what appears to be something solid they can hold on to is only a reflection of swiftly running water underneath. If they enter that hole, they may never escape.
0: Very few people who reject a true God ever get to the reason he has taken such care to let people he created and loves know how not to offend him and thereby drive him off. Just about the entire human race is looking for the true unconditional love that God not only offers but is ready to lavish on those who want him for himself. But he cannot be satisfied in his relationship with us when our detestable actions and wicked thoughts in our hearts push him away. In his letter to those called-out ones in Ephesus, Paul explains their condition and ours before Jesus saved them from the wrath of God. Beginning at Ephesians 2 verse 1, he says, In the past you were spiritually dead because of your disobedience and sins. At that time, you followed the world's evil way. You obeyed the ruler of the spiritual powers in space, the Spirit who now controls the people who disobey God. Actually, all of us were like them and lived according to our natural desires, doing whatever suited the wishes of our own bodies and minds. In our natural condition, we, like everyone else, were destined to suffer God's anger. But God's mercy is so abundant and his love for us is so great that while we were spiritually dead in our disobedience, he brought us to life with Christ. It is by God's grace that you've been saved. In our union with Christ Jesus, he raised us up with him to rule with him in the heavenly world. He did this to demonstrate for all time to come, the extraordinary greatness of his grace and the love he showed us in Christ Jesus. For it is by God's grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not the result of your own efforts, but God's gift, so that no one can boast about it. God has made us what we are, and in our union with Christ Jesus, he has created us for a life of good deeds, which he has already prepared for us to do.
1: And just in case anyone who is not Jewish thinks they were entitled to this treatment by God, let us read on about what He really did for us all. You Gentiles, by birth, called the uncircumcised by the Jews, who call themselves the circumcised, which refers to what men do to their bodies, remember what you were in the past. At that time, you were apart from Christ. You were foreigners and did not belong to God's chosen people. You had no part in the covenants, which were based on God's promises to His people, and you lived in this world without hope and without God. But now, in union with Christ Jesus, you, who used to be far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For Christ Himself has brought us peace by making Jews and Gentiles one people. With His own body, He broke down the wall that separated them and kept them enemies. It is through Christ that all of us, Jews and Gentiles are able to come in the one spirit into the presence of the Father, so then you Gentiles are not foreigners or strangers any longer. You are now citizens together with God's people and members of the family of God. You, too, are built upon the foundation laid by the apostles and prophets, the cornerstone being Christ Jesus himself. God is building those of us who are His together as a single unit so He can live in us, just as He said way back at Leviticus chapter 26, verses 11 and 12. I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul shall not abhor you, and I will walk among you and will be your God, and you shall be my people. Because God is holy, He has told us, encouraged us, and admonished us repeatedly to be holy as well. At Leviticus chapter 11, verses 44 and 45, chapter 19, verse 2, chapter 20, verse 7 and 26, and First Peter chapter 1, verse 16, we are in essence told, You must be holy, for I am holy. God is telling us this for our protection. For an unholy thing, to encounter a holy one unprotected would mean certain destruction for the unholy thing. In multiple places, we are told that the holiness of God is a most dangerous thing to encounter. Listen to this exchange between Moses and God at Exodus chapter 33, verses 18 through 23. Then Moses said, "'I pray that you will let me see you in all of your glory.' The Lord answered, "'All right, I am the Lord, and I show mercy and kindness to anyone I choose.' I will let you see my glory and hear my holy name, but I won't let you see my face, because anyone who sees my face will die. There is a rock not far from me. Stand beside it, and before I pass by in all of my shining glory, I will put you in a large crack in the rock. I will cover your eyes with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you will see my back. You will not see my face. Even Jacob recognized that something exceptional had occurred at the end of his divine encounter at Genesis chapter 32, verses 24 through 30. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 sums it up. Follow peace with everyone and holiness, without which no one shall see the Lord.
0: So in conclusion, the purpose of God's hate speech is to save the object of his deep abiding love. We are the object of that love. Don't you think it is better to accept and agree with what He wants for us, to make us holy, instead of being separated from Him in eternal anguish? Have a talk with God today. If you have an issue with Him about anything, talk it out with Him. He is God. He is big enough to handle whatever you bring to Him. But just bring it. He is waiting for you now. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for your love demonstrated by the life, death, and resurrection of your holy child, Jesus. We do not have adequate words to thank you for the love your Holy Spirit has shed abroad in our hearts this day, because your good and perfect will has made us your children by belief in the name of Jesus. We know by your written word that you do not take delight in the destruction of anyone you have created, and you made us all, even those who deny this and deny you. Father, we ask you according to your word at Acts 5.31 and Acts 11.18 that repentance and salvation will come to the children of Israel and to the nations. We ask you, precious Father, to speak those beautiful words you said in the beginning. Let there be light, and let that light be in the hearts of people listening who are not now part of your eternal family, so they may have the light of the knowledge of your glory in the face of the Messiah, Jesus. Let his reality be so present, so tangible to each of them, that they must respond. Let them realize that this meeting with our risen Lord is their opportunity to leave the bondage of sin behind and be born anew into your kingdom. Let them not hide the way Adam and Eve did, but instead embrace the presence of Jesus, honestly and frankly telling him everything and let them find his touch, the answer to their greatest longing, your everlasting life wrapped in your everlasting love. You, our beautiful Yahweh, are the one who made us because you wanted us to be with you. You did not let your enemies ruin your plans for humanity, but you sent your son Jesus as a man to rescue mankind. We gratefully acknowledge all you have done for us, and we ask you to help us do that which will give you the greatest pleasure, which is to be yours. Help us to love you back, dearest Father, just as fiercely as you have loved us. Let our love for you be without fear, without shame, and without reservation. It would be our greatest joy to join with those already in heaven with you to express everything in us for what you have so unselfishly done for us. Thank you for hearing this prayer and answering according to your good and perfect will. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen.
1: We at Save One More Now Incorporated encourage all listeners to seek the Lord for his calling on your life. If you are faithful to spend time with him throughout the day, you will come to know without a doubt that he really loves you and he has a purpose for your being here.
0: You can hear this message again on our website at saveonemorenow.org. We can be reached by email at at truelifeatsaveonemorenown.org or our telephone number in the United States, 850-727-0493. We look forward to joining you next week and ask you to remember, Life is good. God gives life. God is good.